0: Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at www.first-prez.org. Good morning. Our scripture lesson this morning comes out of the Gospel of Luke, as you know, and picks up at the end of the Gospel, where we've heard about the uh, parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and now we're wrapping up the parable of the lost or prodigal son. And our scripture is quite short because it has to do with the dialogue of the dad to the oldest son. The oldest son, as the video said, was quite indignant angry, disappointed that the father had welcomed the younger son back and here's what the father says to his oldest son. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would bring this scripture to life, that you would mold and transform us from the inside out, that we would become more like Jesus. Father, we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So many of you know I grew up in Southern California. It's a nice place to grow up in the, uh, in the late 1960s and early 70s, a little bit going on in that part of the world. And... Um, I can remember we lived in this really huge house and and yet I go back and I look at it and I go, it's only 1,300 square feet. But when I was a kid, it was a big house. And it had this big yard that was a small yard and there was a chain link fence behind the yard and there was a gate in the chain link fence. and, And I used to ride my Kawasaki 120 motorcycle out through that gate. There was a there was a, a service road behind our house and then a creek. That creek didn't turn out to be so good in my life because when it would be a torrential downpour, my buddy Cory Lupke and I would go into the garage, get our styrofoam surfboards and ride down the swollen creek. Now, we didn't recognize that people die all over the world that way. We were young and dumb. Never voted most likely to be smart out of Santa Barbara. And then they had this, uh, just across this open field was a Thrifty's uh, drugstore. You remember Thrifty's drugstore? If you had a few pennies or dollars, you would go in and you'd buy an ice cream cone or maybe a candy bar. We didn't too often have that, so my buddy Corey and I went in and stole cigarettes and that was (laughs) equally as good. And then they had a movie theater there that we would go to the movie theater at times. In fact, that, first, that movie theater is where I took my bride on our very first date. Very important things happened in that movie theater. <laughs> Enough about my childhood before I have to sit down. So, But I can remember being out in the field playing and my dad would stand on our back concrete porch and he would take his two fingers, put them in his mouth, and he had this whistle. Can any of you whistle? Are you whistlers? I'm not a whistle, but he, I, I, don't, I don't, I just can't. It just, it just doesn't work. And, but he would put his fingers in his mouth and he would give this great whistle. And I knew it was time to come home. So we're gonna, this is gonna be a group participation uh, service. So I'm going to ask you if, uh, like, there, uh, we may break into spontaneous song. And if we do, I want you to sing with me. Will you do that? You'll sing with me? Okay, great. I would like to start this whole movement by a good come home whistle. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to whistle. If you've got a, if you've got a whistle, I want, you to, I want you to do your best come home whistle. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Wow. Ah, wow. Okay, enough. That was a bad idea. (laughs) It's time to come home. We've been studying the parables. The parables are a unique teaching style of Jesus, they're meant to mess with your mind. They're meant to crawl into your heart. They're meant to compel you towards Jesus. They're not so much instruction. They're meant to turn the brain on, to engage the heart, and to compel us to a different way of thinking, a different way of acting, a different way of believing. They say a picture paints a thousand words. If so, a parable, ten thousand. You don't have to memorize a parable because once you hear it, it's planted in your soul forever. We're studying one of the most beautiful parables ever spoken by our master, the prodigal son, or better yet, the prodigal sons. We heard about the younger son, the rebellious one, the the one maybe like uh, you or certainly like me when I was a child in many ways, who tells the father, I don't wanna live under your roof. I don't really even care if you're alive anymore. I don't wanna be part of this family. I wish you were dead. Would you give me my share of the inheritance? Make no mistake, this dad is different than me as a dad, because I would have told my son to get lost. But the prodigal father's, uh, or the prodigal son's dad did not do that, divided his wealth. You know, it goes off, squanders, comes back, and, and a beautiful story of redemption. And, and then last week, Tim did a glorious job preaching about the older son, the, the son that did it all right in life and yet became a curmudgeon. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the father. Because it's pretty clear from this scripture that the prodigal son's father is a representative of our heavenly father. So we get a beautiful picture of some of the characteristics and the nature of our heavenly father. Now, all of us have fathers, earthly fathers. At one point, some of them are alive. Some of them may not be alive. Some of those images you have of, of your dad may be helpful in painting a picture of who the heavenly father is. Some of them may not be all that helpful. And I would ask this morning that you would take your earthly father and just set him aside for a second and see if God couldn't give us a new and marvelous picture of who our heavenly father really is. See, we learn one thing about our heavenly father. We learn that he is relentless in the pursuit of his children. He will not quit until every single one of his children come home. How many of y'all seen the, uh, the movie Hacksaw Ridge? Have you seen it? Fantastic true story. Desmond Doss, a seven day Adventist young soldier, and uh, gets in the military, will not carry a weapon. And, uh, and, the, and the story unfolds beautifully about sort of some of the complexity of that. Wants to be a medic, wants to help people. And, and so uh, he finally gets deployed into the, the Pacific theater, and, and uh, he's part of the invasion of Okinawa, an island 300 miles south of, of Japan, and a very strategic island that it was. But in order to uh, invade the island, they had to scale a 300-foot embankment on these, these nettings. And so the, the, the story goes, Desmond climbs up, and it was just a minefield, a slaughter field of Japanese encampment on this, on this hillside, and men dying, wounded. And Desmond, without a weapon, is, is, is there, and his job is to get the wounded, take them over to the edge, and lower them back down. It's an unbelievable story of, of, of man after man after man that Desmond would run out, pick up somebody, bullets flying, mortars all over the place. He would carry them back on his shoulders, put them on the ground, gunfire, put a rope around him, and lower them down a 300-foot embankment, and then turn around and go back for more. They interviewed Desmond about his activity, and, uh, and he said this, he said, so I just kept praying, Lord, please help me get more and more, just one more, until there was no one left, and I'm the last one down. It's a beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father. He will not quit until every one of his children come home. Now, have you ever noticed that it's really um, seldom, I think, that people get argued into the kingdom of God? I think they get compelled into it. We see a picture of a loving God, and we go, it's so wonderful to be loved. We see a picture of a loving Savior, Jesus, and we get compelled and moved in. here we're getting a picture of the heavenly Father that is so compelling because of his love. And in order for it to be divine love, it's defined by grace. We're familiar with the term grace. An unmerited favor, receiving not what we deserve, but something we don't deserve because of the kindness of the one giving. Many would say, wait a minute, I'm I'm all for grace, but, but Jesus came in grace and truth, correct? Isn't there going to be a judgment? One day? Answer, absolutely. Here's my picture how that's gonna go. Dan's in Peru, Machu Picchu, gets run over by a llama. Now I'm standing before the eternal judge in his dark robe, I'm kind of, I think it's gonna look like Tim, I don't really know, but <laughs> maybe Judge Judy, it's hard to know. And the bailiff, I'm standing before the judge, and the bailiff reads my charges of what I did in my life. And I'm kind of going, yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, kind of the way you do when you get a speeding ticket. I kind of really didn't deserve, okay. And then the judge is going to say, what do you plead? And I'm going to say, guilty. Guilty. On every single one. And then the judge is going to say, Well, then what do you have to say for yourself? And I'll say this Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus. And the judge will smile and say, Well said and well done, welcome home. Grace. We don't get what we deserve. We deserve something other than what our Father wants to give us. He's a God of grace, unmerited favor. Chris Tomlin was right when he said, you're a good, good Father. That's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I am loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. See, I think we often mistakenly think that grace showed up when Jesus came to earth in the incarnation, that somehow grace came to just, just when Jesus went to the cross and resurrected, but the Apostle Paul said, actually, to his young uh, ministry son, Timothy, that's actually not true, Timothy. And he writes this in 2 Timothy 1.9, that God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. And it has now been revealed through the appearance of a savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Grace is the nature of the love of God. There is no divine love without being consumed with grace. We read 1 Corinthians 13, the beautiful passage on the love, and we want that love. We do it at weddings, and we know so well that marriages are going to do their best to try to get to that type of love, but it doesn't ever fully come to fruition until we encounter our Heavenly Father. He is a God of grace, unmerited favor, it abounds. And when I think about it, I think of the good, good Father, this unrelenting love, this overflowing generosity, this amazing grace. So the God, the heavenly Father, is a God of love and divine grace. He's also a God of celebration. The nature of the kingdom is about celebration. I kind of like this. I had a uh, business engagement this last week in, y- in, uh, in uh, Stamford, Connecticut, so my wife and I went to Connecticut. We did a Young Life banquet out there, and since we're flying into LaGuardia Airport, we said, well, why don't we spend a couple days in to stay in New York City? We've never done this before, and so we had a hotel right in Midtown, New York, and we decided to see two Broadway plays. Just fantastic. If you get a chance, see The Lion King. One of the most magnificent plays I've ever seen in my life. And then we saw Carol King's life story called Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Boys, you need to play some more Carol King back here, okay? <laughs> Ladies, you can sing it. It's it was just fantastic. And when I was in Times Square, because Broadway's off of Times Square and the lights and the people, I couldn't help but thinking of New Year's Eve, Times Square, going, these New Yorkers know how to have a celebration. Beautiful picture, cool in the gang knows how to have a good celebration. You know the song. Celebrate good times, come on. Mm-hmm. Don't sing anymore, Dan. <laughs> but to celebrate, I'm a young life guy. One of the best parts about a Young Life camp is at the end of a camp where so many kids come that did not have a relationship with Jesus have an opportunity to invite Jesus into their life. And the last night of camp is a holy event where each one of those kids get to to, to be asked to stand up and to to say that they accepted Jesus into their life. And it's just fantastic. Often 30, 40, 50, 60% of the kids that came gave their life to Christ. An unbelievable miracle unfolding. And when they're done and the prayer is said, they turn on the music And the entire uh, club room erupts in this wild celebration of joy and laughter. The the kids stand up that met Christ. The kids stand up that didn't mean Christ. The young life leaders stand up. The work crew stands up. The young life staff, the property staff, the horses out of the corral stand up. (laughs) And everybody just has a glorious time of celebration. And yet, I have to say that I'm not positive the church in the West is known for its celebratory spirit. Is it? So often that we're so much more like Augusta National, that's just bravo, bravo, it's a great button. Latin America, they know how to celebrate. Them crazy Africans, they know how to celebrate. But I have to say, like Tim Keller, that too many of us are like the older brother, aren't we? Somehow, can we really celebrate People coming to Jesus when their life has been so pathetic? Or maybe they come to Jesus and they wander and they come back to Jesus and they wander, they come back to Jesus and they wander, and we start going, hey, wait a minute, I'm not sure. Tim Keller says it this way So many in the church are the older brother, unwilling to bend a knee, so right and yet so wrong. If I celebrate, am I not condoning the behavior? I mean, i got to be honest with you. I think an awful lot of us, and myself included, are way too much like the older brother. And I wonder what keeps us from this, this wild, wonderful celebration of the work of God around the world. I think there's a couple things. One, maybe it is simply a spirit of judgment that we look at the younger brother like the older brother did, or we actually even look at God, and we go, yeah, actually, I'm, I think you're wrong. Whew. Maybe it's a spirit of resentment. Like I I know an awful lot of families torn apart from resentment and they have a hard time celebrating something somebody's done in the family and are celebrating the person because of behavior, they get resentful. Or maybe it's our doubt. Maybe it just seems too easy to apply grace to a situation. Maybe it's anger and I'm just mad. I tried it once, it didn't work. Maybe it's fear. Ultimately, I believe all of these are some form of pride, that deep down in our soul we have pride. The church is full of the older brother. You may be sitting next to one or you might be one. I know I am at times. Now and says it this way, there's so much resentment amongst the just and the righteous. There's so much judgment, condemnation, and prejudice amongst the saints. There's so much frozen anger. I believe he put that in there for Presbyterians. Among the people who are concerned about avoiding sin, the older brother despises the younger, the older brother despises the father's joy. It almost reminds me of the chapter right before in Luke 14, where there's a big celebration feast, and so many said, I can't come. I, I'm, I'm busy. I bought some oxen, I bought a field. For whatever reason, we might clap but we can't move into the nature of our God. The nature of God is a celebratory spirit. Now one says it this way, God's joy is the joy of his angels and of his saints. It's a joy of all who belong to the kingdom. I wonder how big our sanctuary would need to be if we got better at celebrating. Because I believe that so many on the outside just don't see the celebratory spirit that we might actually feel on the inside and would be compelled to come. Love consumed by grace, spirit of celebration, and then the need to come home. The older brother says this to the father, this son of yours has come home. And the father not only ran to the younger, I believe he left the party, as Tim said, and ran to the older as well. Can you imagine the scene? Not 200 yards from the party, cool in the gang is being played. The wine is flowing. The food is flowing. The guests are coming. And the older brother standing outside and the heart of the father coming to him, saying, son, won't you lay... Down your resentment. Yes, you have a right to have it, but look what it's doing to you. Lay it down. Swallow it with grace and come rejoice with me. Because the Father, the King, the Kingdom is about coming home. People always ask me, Where's your favorite place to visit around the world? Answer, My home. That's where I want to come most. We sing about it, right? Sweet home, Alabama. Ooh, great song. I'll be home for Christmas. There's no place like home. What does it mean for you and me to come home? I've had a lot of different homes in my life. Santa Barbara was home at one point, a home in the East Coast, a home in Sacramento, a home here, home is where you come and you just sort of, you don't have to perform anymore. You can bring your broken spirit or your tired and weary body and just sit and relax. We know what, we also know that it doesn't ever fully exist this side of heaven, does it? It is what heaven's gonna be. But heaven doesn't have to wait to start till we're dead and run over by the llama. Heaven is meant to start now. Home, come home. I think of the homeless in our city who have no. Home to come home to. Come home. It's sad to me that the younger brother was a long way off, and yet his journey home was much shorter than the other brother's journey home. Come home. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, a mansion. He's prepared it for us. But here's the irony of the gospel, right? In order for there to be a home for you to come home to in heaven, God the Heavenly Father had to send His eldest son, better said, His only son, out of the house to come into this world. Philippians 2, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied Himself, John 1.14, and moved into our neighborhood. Jesus left to prepare a place for us that we could come home. So where are you this morning? Are you home? I love having Christine in this service. (laughs) In a couple minutes, I'm going to go to the other place. Will you come over there with me? It's time to come home. It's not a one-time thing that you do. We're always coming home. We're always recognizing that we were home and then we left home and we need to come back home. This is the daily experience of faith in our life. With Jesus, come home. I do know this, that one day, one day we're all gonna get to see the Heavenly Father as he really is. In all his wonder, splendor, power, beauty, grace, we're gonna be compelled to him. And I believe many of us will look back and say, why Why didn't I run to Him the way He ran to me? Life could have been so much sweeter. Why all the stress? Our Father is bidding us to come home. What's keeping you out in the cold? My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. The grace of the Father bidding us to come home. Can you hear the whistle? It's time to come home. Let's sing a song together, just one verse, you and me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. line, but now I see. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to come home. Help us to lay down our pride. Help us to lay down our anger, our resentment, our judgment, and to pour into our life and those around us the grace and the love of our Heavenly Father. We need you and trust you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.